Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag healthy you, wealthy you. A beautiful good morning and a Chodesh Tov to all our listeners. We have just entered into the month of Adar, which is a month full of joy. And we wish you a joyful month. We've actually got a double dose. We've got 60 days of it. So looking forward to a positive, positive month moving forward. We had incredible feedback last week from uh, Dr. Kussel's uh, talk on the irritable baby. I think uh, the, uh, the babies are far more irritable than people think. And we actually did not manage to get through our entire agenda. So we fished him back in again this week. We are very, very um, excited to have him back. And we are going to continue talking about the irritable baby and other things that can make them irritable. Good morning, Fagy. Good morning, Adel. The, the feedback was fascinating, Adel. Actually, you know, when Dr. Kassel just um, described how the ears are created at the same time as the kidneys, you had a story to tell me. And then I also had a story to tell you. So I'm wondering about the listeners out there how many people actually realized about the ears and the kidneys and the fact that their children or even as adults have an issue? Absolutely. Both of us had personal stories within our family of um, the ears being connected to the urinary tract and kidneys and having problems there. It was absolutely fascinating. And of course, we invite you to join our conversation always on 34519. That's our SMS line and 061-819-895-1019 is our telegram number. So we don't want you to go away. We want to stay with you. And there's lots more to learn about the irritable baby. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We are very, very excited. Good morning, Dr. Kassel. Morning, Adol. Morning, Fagy. Good morning, Dr. Kassel. I'm so grateful to be able to be back today. Maybe we're, by the time I'm finished, and probably I'll have to go in with a third talk about the gastrointestinal tract abnormalities, we'll save a few people from going to the KFM helpline. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're very excited to, to, to have you, and thank you for coming back on so quickly. We know your time is valuable. So as, as we said in our introduction, we had incredible feedback last week about urinary tract infections, and we know there's lots of things that make a baby irritable. What are we going to be discussing today? Well, we're going to be discussing uh, auditory canal, auditory system abnormalities, abnormalities of the ears. And probably of all the conditions in pediatrics, the most undiagnosed is auditory system abnormality, particularly in the first two years of life. It, to start with, and as usual, I want to give you a visual presentation of the auditory system. It consists of two ears divided into an outer ear and an inner ear by a membrane, a rigid membrane called the ear drum, which separates the two parts of the ear. The inner ear then connects via a tube known as the eustachian tube, and this opens into the upper respiratory tract. All the problems in the ear are caused by fluid accumulating in the eustachian tube, either by the 
tube being uh, attacked with excessive amounts of fluid from above, such as occurs in sinusitis, post-nasal drips, throat infections, or the tube being filled from below by the very well-known condition today of gastric reflux. So that is how the tube becomes filled with fluid. That tube and the, order, and the uh, auditory uh, membrane are, have very sensitive nerve endings. And when they become stretched or pulled or pressured on, you get the symptoms of auditory of, of irritability. And that particularly this is true in a newborn baby from the very beginning. One of the main causes of irritability, as I've said, is the result of this excessive buildup of fluid accumulating in the eustachian tube and pressurizing the eardrum. Two important signs in a baby indicating an excessive buildup of fluid in the eustachian tube is first of all a high-pitched cry, which miraculously disappears the moment you pick the baby up. As you take the pressure off the eardrum, the cry disappears. As soon as you put the baby down again, the cry recommences. Now, I won't deal with it over here because this is probably the subject of another presentation. It's called the cry of the baby. Re uh, about 25 or 30 years ago, a pediatrician in Cape Town brought out a record called the cry of the baby, in which he included 10 types of baby cry. And lo and behold, it was soon discovered that not every baby cry was due to hunger, to not getting enough food, to the formula being wrong, but other cries also appeared. Cries of the renal system, cries of the auditory system, cries of the cerebral system, cries of the gastrointestinal tract system. They all have characteristic cries. It's really a baby crying for help. And he's trying, the baby is trying to tell you what is wrong with him or her. Unfortunately, we sometimes ignore these cries for help. Once we've isolated, once we've, it's indicated to us that the source of ability is an ear problem, one should consider several causes of this. Why should fluid accumulate from above in the auditory canals? Well, again, there are very obvious reasons. The one is allergy and sinusitis. The second one is throat infection with fluid. The third one is a post-nasal drip. These are all causes, and in my experience, the allergic cause is dominant and the most undiagnosed of all the conditions. Because formal serological testing, blood testing, in a child under three years of age is unfortunately totally useless and should not be undertaken. Don't, look, don't start looking for allergies in the blood. Fortunately, Hashem again has given us the, the answers, the signs and symptoms to deduce if a baby is allergy prone. It's all there for us to see. 
First, the facial features, known as the allergic faces, help to identify possible allergic abnormalities in the baby. A very characteristic faces, and I elaborate on that. A flat, even inverted nasal bridge, that's number one. Nostrils that are slits instead of clear round holes. Prominent cheekbones. And one thing that you can't see, but short and narrow eustachian tubes as a result of all this. And as the allergic response becomes more prominent and dominant, a very important sign to look out for is the so-called allergic shiner. Shiner is a slang word indicating black eye. And that's exactly what it is. It's a blue, black, dark ring around and below the eye due to fluid accumulating in the soft tissues due to allergies. How often have you seen this? And how often have I seen it in the rooms? And when a woman walks in, I say to her, I know exactly why you've come to see me. Your child has got allergies, he's got a blocked nose, he's got ear problems, and all of a sudden they, they're amazed that you could know all this. So yes, beware primarily of allergies in the irritable baby with this sort of presentation. If an allergic We're causes... Can, can I stop you there, Dr. Cussell? Um, we are just going to have to go for a little bit of an ad break. We are talking about the irritable baby and we're discussing primarily now um, the ears and how that can make a baby cry incessantly. And oh, do I know that? I think I paid for a wing at a local uh, hospital for the Mount of Grommets that uh, I went through until I learned the lesson. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Right, uh, Dr. Castle, we were talking about um, allergies and that that's probably the primary cause for what, a blocked eustachian tube? It's the primary cause of pressure on the eustachian tube. Was the first thing that happens with allergy is that pressure occurs. Fluid, excessive fluid comes down from the upper respiratory tract. It fills the eustachian tube. The eustachian tube starts to distend. It's pressurized and with this distension, it eventually begins to press on the eardrum. But still, in many cases, nobody is any the wiser as to what is actually going on. That is the sad thing. And this is the purpose of this morning's talk. Not to criticize people. We will come to grommets and aspirations of the ears in due course. But to think that this is the only way of handling sore ears is, of course, quite incorrect. Because my concluding statement over here and I'll explain it to you a little more fully when you've heard the rest of the talk. There is never a cause without an effect in medicine, and there is never right. an effect without a cause. What is the prime mistake we're all making? We're dealing with the effect, the bulging eardrum, the, the ruptured eardrum, the infected eardrum, but find the cause? No. Completely. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I like I want to put that in neon lights because that's really I'm what, jumping uh, over here, Adel. I'm just so excited <laughs> about hearing Dr. Castle say all of this. We don't look at the cause. We 
And even, even to add insult to injury, all right, let's, uh, I'll just di digress for a moment because we have got time. You say the grommet, put the grommet in. The grommet gets blocked, the grommet falls out. The pressure <laughs> continues. The grommet gets repeated. It gets repeated once, it gets repeated twice, it gets repeated three times, it gets repeated four times. And all the time, nobody is looking for the primary cause. There is always a cause. Hashem has given us those ways of recognizing it. And to our own peril, we don't look for the cause. So perhaps... I, 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 mentioned, I mentioned a little earlier that I think I've, I paid for half a wing at a local hospital for my son who had grommets, and it was exactly that. We went through about, I'm not joking, about 10 sets of grommets in 18 months because his eustachian tube was blocked. And this was the personal story. I guess I can share it. And eventually he landed up with kidney disease and irreversible kidney disease. And when and nobody looked at the cause. And you know what the cause was? He was allergic to milk. When I stopped the milk, his kidney disease, his, his irreversible kidney disease was reversible and it went away. And so did all the congestion. And for 18 months, I struggled as a mother. The first 18 months were horrific. And it all was due to allergy. Nobody asked what is the cause so i just i just but how love often do we hear these stories how often i mean a friend of mine spoke to me the other day on the phone and she said to me that her daughter went for grommets when she was little and then she had to go again and then she had to go again and she said that it's ridiculous it's crazy that she has to go under anesthetic so many times have that many sets of grommets she said that her pediatrician eventually told her well if you want to not have grommets then you have to take her off dairy and some and gluten which she mm. did do and then her child was perfectly fine nothing wrong yeah. And strangely enough, you're both psychic, because my next paragraph <laughs> is if an, an allergic cause is indicated, then a good starting point would be to exclude milk and dairy products from the diet immediately. With dust being oh. another primary cause of allergies, also a warm air humidifier in the room with an attached ionizer, especially if you've got wall-to-wall -wall carpeting should be used to deal with the dust particles. Remember also that the allergic fluid in the air canals may become secondly infected. They occur so many times that it's quite on the cards that secondary infection will occur. This is usually the stage at which the doctor steps in, the house doctor, because you've now got a screaming baby, a high swinging temperature, clutching at its ears, screaming its head off, and a bulging or about to rupture eardrum, draining fluid or pus. And that's when you get what commonly occurs in Johannesburg, course after course of antibiotic to clear up the infection, telling you that after the antibiotic has had its effect, you're now going to have to put a needle into the ear chamber to either aspirate the fluid or else put a grommet into the eardrum to release the infected fluid. The infected fluid, the infected fluid for the benefit of the doctors who are listening, uh, always has a cloudy appearance. It's very characteristic, it's cloudy, and it's because of fluid or pus. It does not a clear gray eardrum. And you can't miss something like this. You really can't. 
But again, the effect gets dealt with before the cause is elucidated. The next symptom that may occur in a child with ear problems is the ear, the eustachian tube may become distended with secretions from below. That is the condition of gastrointestinal reflux. And a very prominent ear, nose and throat surgeon before he immigrated recently to America made the statement that he doesn't really believe that any child gets ear problems without having some degree of gastrointestinal reflux. Because it's obvious the fluid refluxes up and where can it go? It can either go into the throat or into the eustachian tubes and it starts to fill up the eustachian tubes. And although this will be dealt with more fully in what I hope to be my third talk, the causes of gastroabnormalities causing the crying baby, for the purpose of this cork, an important sign, a first sign of gastrointestinal reflux is sometimes present in the womb. The baby starts to hiccup. The moment you've got a hiccuping baby, you've got a problem. This fluid is coming up from the stomach. It's going through the esophageal valve and it's starting to irritate the diaphragms. And when you irritate the diaphragms, you get hiccuping. So always in the history and look at it, trying to elucidate the cause, find out if your baby is hiccuping because that will point you towards the ears. Because as the acid fluid reflux goes up into the throat, cough will then become a feature. And of course, some of the fluid may then enter the ear canals, the auditory canal via the eustachian tube and your problems start to present themselves again. So always, as you will hear in the next talk, deal with the reflux. We have said a lot about the baby's cry and irritability, but a less common cause of irritability is due to auditory canal developmental problems. In the same way as the kidney has problems developing by arrest during the gestational period, so the auditory canal can have difficulties in forming properly. We've already mentioned the allergic facies, the allergic shiners. But in the deaf baby, nerve deafness is perhaps one of the most serious problems and one of the most missed problems. Fortunately, over here, uh, professionals have taken steps to uh, uh, obviate this cause by testing the baby's ears at birth. The hearing should always be tested at birth. It's never an unnecessary test. It's never a waste of money. Get the baby's hearing tested. But here again, you can be misled because very often they test the baby on the second or third day. The ears are still full of lycor blood, amniotic fluid from the birth. And of course they're blocked and then they don't get a reaction. And then they come and tell you your baby's deaf. The baby is not deaf. It's got all these things uh, blocking its ears. And all you then have to do is say, I'll come back for a repeat ear test in four to six weeks time before I diagnose deafness. 
and in 90% of cases, the deafness would have disappeared. It's gone. But here again, the cry of the baby is very, very important in picking up a deaf infant. It's on this record. The cry is without tone, without any, any feeling to it. It has neither volume nor tone. It is a completely flat cry, expressionless. The baby just, uh, uh, uh. It doesn't make any sounds whatsoever because it can't hear any sounds and it can't differentiate sounds. So here again, if you're a good observer, you will diagnose deafness. When testing, I've said, sorry, when testing for auditory structural problems at birth, one should always be aware that false positives may occur. And whenever a positive test for deafness is suspected, the baby's ears, we can't emphasize it enough, should still be retested at four to six weeks and then refer to an ear, nose and throat surgeon. And here in South Africa, we I won't mention names, but we have one or two of the most world-famous ear, nose and throat surgeons in correcting nerve deafness. Many children's lives have been saved by operations which these people have done. And long may Hashem keep them on this earth. To conclude, if we follow the old adage, as I've said in pediatrics, that there is never a cause without an effect, and there is never an effect without a cause, we won't actually go wrong. The common error, as I've said, is that the effect is dealt with first. The effect is the increased pressure on the drum. We're always ready to alleviate the pressure on the drum by putting a thin needle through the drum or a grommet that provides ongoing relief, which allows fluid to drain from the inner ear. And the only reason for putting in a grommet as opposed to needle aspiration is that hopefully they hope that the grommet will stay there and continue to drain the fluid that is forming but it is not correcting the problem. The grommet is not correcting any problems at all. And, the, and very soon the fluid starts to block up, or the grommet itself blocks up, or the grommet falls out, and the baby is back to square one. And the two-year-old baby, I, I hate to tell you how many records must have been broken by babies in the first two years of life that have had grommets taken out, reinserted, taken out, reinserted, taken out, reinserted. And lo and behold, nobody has ever bothered to find the primary cause of why fluid should accumulate in the first place. You want well, to I told you, I'm the, president, I'm, I'm the president of that club. I, 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 it was actually ridiculous. I, I need to ask you, though, um, Surely there is also the, a, a time and a place where a kid has an ear infection. You know, when you go to the doctor and the, the, the infection is actually in the ear. How do you differentiate that to what you've been saying before? Well, the infection in the ear is, is, is obviously a, the end result of what is going on. The, the, the attempt is to intervene before that infection occurs, to be aware of it and aware that it might occur. That's number one. Number two is that the moment an infection has occurred, you get a high swinging temperature 
and get an extremely irritable baby with an even higher pitched cry because now the infection is going to start bulging the eardrum. The eardrum is in fact going to become red, it is going to become distended, and the baby's cry will be uncontrollable. It, 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 anybody will intervene at that stage, because the baby is really shrieking. And then finally the drum ruptures if you don't do anything about mm. it. And, of course, you then landed with a mess of pus, getting the pus out, that's how you diagnose an infection, sending off uh, <coughs> sending off the, the pus for culture, putting the baby onto the appropriate antibiotic. There is nothing wrong with that. That is one of the reasons why we use antibiotics, to get rid of that, because if the pus ruptures internally rather than externally, you will end up with meningitis, Cascadella. So there's no harm in using an antibiotic once you've got pus. The harm is to only uh, di diagnose the condition when pus has occurred. It's far too late. And the other so when, when, as a, when as a mother do you know that, you know, you, you kind of always like sit on the fence, like, do I take them to the doctor or do I not? Like if you, like you, you've got this crying baby and, um, you know, you, you, you're not sure what it is, it's, I guess, better to go to the doctor and let them say this is allergy or, you know this is a buildup of fluid this is what we could do right now and you is know, there anything you can do to prevent that ear infection well that's a marvelous thought but how many doctors will actually tell you that they they yeah. deal with a problem as it's occurred and even worse they often deal with a problem in a crying baby when a crying baby cries the drum is red in any case that's from the crying. So the first message you're going to get from the doctor is you've got inflamed ears. The drum is very, very red. We've got to put the child onto an antibiotic and we've got to, uh, and, and we, we may have to do grommets after five to seven days if it hasn't cleared. You know what the teaching is by the more conservative ENT surgeons? Never, ever use antibiotics first use an anti-inflammatory silodex eardrops, you put it onto the inflamed drum, you cause a shrinkage of the drum, and very often the symptoms disappear, and you don't have to use antibiotics, silodex, and nasal spray to get rid of the secretion. That's what you do. But again... We're speaking... Mm, go, finish up? Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to piece some of the questions that are coming through because my son is writing them down for me. Okay, so while, while he's doing that, we're speaking to Dr. Castle. We're talking about the irritable baby, and for sure, I don't think there's a mother out there that hasn't had a baby with, I'm now going to put in inverted commas, an alleged ear infection, um, certainly at least one. I told you I'm the president of many. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kick myself that I did not know all this information when I was a young mother because I for sure would have handled my children's health better. If you have a question for Dr. Cussell or you'd like uh, uh, to make a comment, 34519 is our SMS line, 061895 is our telegram number. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern.
Dr. Castle, what other questions have you got that need to be answered? Well, there's one here that says, can ear infection be caused without a problem in the eustachian tube? I think that is your question, Adel. Mm. But, you know, the eustachian tube is the gateway to the ear. There is no other way you can get into the ear except through the eustachian tube. You could get in from outside, I suppose, but that would be very, very rare. But the gate that opens into the ear is the eustachian tube. So whatever factors operate from above or below will affect the eustachian tube. We're talking about allergic sinusitis, infective sinusitis, allergic throats, infected throats, allergic post-nasal drip, infected post-nasal drip. They all have an ultimate resting place probably possibly in the eustachian tube and that is how I, infection i guess you also can get the the generally the boys not the girl the little boys or girls where you know you had they're having bad ear 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 you know ear pain and you take them to the doctor and you find out that some lego or something else went into the ear <laughs> yes certainly but <laughs> even though it may it, it, it may present with crying and irritability. First of all, this is going to be a very rare occurrence in the 0-2-year-old baby, which we're discussing. Yes. It's going to be in the older baby. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's usually an, of acute onset. The child suddenly does this, and it's usually the older child. It's not the younger child. It's not a factor in the 0-2-year-old. I don't think they purposely put things in their ears. You know, Dr. Castle, I had to take my son once when he was little to the doctor to check his ears. And as you said, when the baby's crying so much, their ears do look red. So at the time, she says, oh, my goodness, his ears are so red. And he definitely needs grommets. He has an antibiotic. Please go home. Make an appointment with ENT. Made an appointment with the ENT. He says, yes, we need grommets, but I'm going on holiday. So do you want me to do it before I go on holiday or when we come back? I said, you know what? I'm not in a rush. We'll do it when you come back. Got back from holiday, went to the ENT. He goes, oh, your son's ears are perfectly fine. He doesn't need the grommets. Well, that's right. So you've got an honest opinion. <laughs> but if they'd only realize that if they just left it alone for 24 to 48 hours and just used an anti-inflammatory drop in the ear, like Silodex or one of the anti-inflammatory drops, and a nasal spray to decrease the secretions, they would get away with it in any case without grommets. And then, of course, deal with the primary cause. That's what you've got to do. But then can you explain also about the primary cause when it comes to dairy specifically, that so many people are told that your children need milk and that they must drink the milk. And, you know, when they go to sleep, they're lying in their beds with a bottle of milk. I mean, I understand from my side, you know, getting rid of milk in my house is, is not so simple. When my children come to me and beg me for some milk, it's not so easy. And I understand from most people's perspectives that taking dairy out of your house is not easy. Well, first of all, milk and Ashkenazi Jews don't go hand in hand. Uh, one in four to one in five incidents of milk intolerance, like lactose intolerance, milk allergies, milk susceptibility occurs in Ashkenazi Jews. And in this program, we're talking mainly to Ashkenazi Jews. 
So milk is always a factor to be considered. I, I myself am milk intolerant and have been so for 84 years and I've managed to get to 84 years without having milk. Well, it's purposely <laughs> not having milk. So it's, 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 it's an urban legend. It's an old wives tale that, that you have to have milk. But I think they also created it to, you know, it's so important to have the dairy in order to get the calcium. Well, you can get calcium in many ways, you know. We, we don't exactly live on, uh, on starvation diets. Vegetables contain calcium, meat contains calcium, uh, fruit contains calcium. Well, they also say that the cows get the calcium from the grass. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, my favorite term is bobomyces. <laughs> well, we hear dispelling bobomyces, right? And I, I didn't want to use this term, but the, 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 common, the common error that is made in the baby in the first two years of life, and we'll do this in the next program when we sum up, what happens with all the good intentions in the world, the, both bobbers, the neighbor, the... Uh, whatever guru they can get hold of, tells them that the baby is hungry and that the baby is not getting enough and that they must change the feeds. And you'll see when we come to the next talk that you can sometimes change a baby's feeds 10 or 15 times, that you can completely destroy the breastfeeding by diagnosing hunger, by diagnosing starvation instead of overfeeding. They bring you in this five kilogram baby at three three weeks of age and tell you the baby's hungry. Bobo says it's hungry. So put it back on the breast, overfeed it even more, cause more reflux, cause more distress, cause more problems. And that's what happens. You see, the, the advice, and don't get me wrong, I'm not decrying the advice that people get. But South Africans generally tend to be very fixed in their ways, and no more so than in ear tract abnormalities and ear tract infections. If you had to conduct a survey amongst your, amongst a hundred listeners this morning, and ask them what you would do about sore ears, the immediate answer would be: I take the child to a doctor, I get an antibiotic, and if the ears were still sore. I'd, I'd put in grommets. That's the answer they would give you. And that's the answer they accept. And please don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing the person who puts in grommets because they're doing it perfectly legitimately, but they haven't elucidated the cause of the problem. And when you don't elucidate the cause of the problem, you can't solve the problem. It's perfectly easy to understand. So that is what we're trying to say today. If a mother is not going to breastfeed and she has to formula feed, do you suggest that she doesn't use a, a dairy formula? Yes, obviously. There, there are lots of alternative formulas available. There's isomel, there's Impersoy, there's all the soya preparations. There's the hypoallergic feeds in which they've neutralized the allergic proteins. If you go along to, <laughs> to some of these breastfeeding consultants and lactation consultants, They'll give you a whole list of feeds that you can use, and this is usually what happens, that one feed after another, one feed after another is changed, but they're not dealing 
with the major issue, which is allergy. Yeah, I think, I think uh, again, this is like just ringing so loud, so loud, so loud, that there is effect and cause. And, and um, you know, I, I remember after my son got better from an, what I was told was an irreversible kidney condition. And I said to the, I said to the pediatricians at the time, you know, it's, it was milk, milk, you know, milk cured it. They went and said, it's absolute nonsense. I said, well, at least just share it with the parents. When you have a kid that comes in and, and presents themselves with this hectic kidney condition, and now the kid is sitting on cortisone and sitting on, 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 on cancer-like drugs, because you're trying to get rid of an autoimmune thing and all it was was milk. Like surely you should just give them that information. And sadly, at that point in time, like it was like talking to a brick wall. They didn't want to hear, they didn't want to explore, they didn't want to know. You know that the secret of a successful doctor or a successful pediatrician is to follow the maximum or a maxim. Always listen to the mother or the father. The mother or father knows best. Never mind about all the knowledge they got about their grommets and their aspirations and all the possible causes they may dream up of what they're telling you. But always listen to the mother. That's the, that's, if you take a, no message back from today, let them take back that message. Always listen to the mother. The mother however stupid you might think the mother is, the mother is invariably right. Here, here, this is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Well, time flies, certainly when you're having fun or you are engaged with such incredible wisdom. We have a couple of minutes left, Dr. Kassel. How do, would you like to conclude today's talk? Well, I'd like to, include, uh, to conclude by saying that the mindset has to change in dealing with auditory problems in the newborn baby. All our mindsets, and when I say the mindset has to change, don't get in at the end of the road, get in at the beginning of the road. Take notice, you might have heard from one of my previous programs, if you have not made the diagnosis, by the time you have seen the patient, and taken the history, you will never make the diagnosis. That statement was made by one of the greatest pediatricians that ever lived, by a late Boston teacher, who was a fine man and an expert clinician, Albert Schollen. But that is the lesson to take from today. If you don't make that diagnosis at that stage and you only deal with effects and you don't elucidate causes you're going to end up in a big mess. And there's no condition more pertinent than ear infections where you do end up in a big mess. You, Adel, yourself ended up in a big mess. You had 10 yeah. cases of grommets in an under 10-year-old. And I promise you, if you take a survey or consensus amongst your listeners today, you will find that there are many other people in the same boat. And that is why we've done this program. Not to criticize anybody, but to try and enlighten them. Thank you again, Dr. Kassel, for your incredible, incredible wisdom. 
And um, as as not only for myself and for Faggy, we learn from you every single time. You know, we speak to you, but um, we know that our, our the listeners also really really enjoy your show and there's not a time that i actually you know go to the shops or somewhere and somebody says i love your shows especially dr castle so we really appreciate your time um, and your effort in educating us and just giving us just common sense you know throw away the boba mices and let's just deal with common sense so thank you again for joining us faggy thank you again for thank being you my again, partner and thank you dr castle as always it's a great pleasure and we can talk Actually, we can't talk because I'll tell you a little joke. <laughs> my wife dropped my cell phone into water. <laughs> and I'm now totally incommunicando. Uh, I That's like okay. We'll done on purpose, Dr. Castle. <laughs> so to all my listeners that do phone me, please tell them that I'm mixed up. <laughs> You've you, you got to come to listen to Dr. Castle on the radio at 101.9. Chai Feb. Chodesh Tov, everybody. Chodesh Tov. Have a good Chodesh. And I'll speak to you subsequently as soon as I'm...